Well, good morning and welcome to this first Sunday of the new year. On one of the last Sundays of last year, and I'm not going to even attempt to say which year it was because I'll get them the wrong way around. We had a very powerful testimony from Rosemary, just telling us about how Jesus had transformed her life, a life that had been marred by difficult circumstances, and Jesus had come in and brought her to that place of wholeness that she is enjoying today. And I know that we were all encouraged by that testimony, and I know it stirred some things in some people, so please... If you were stirred by that and you need prayer or you need someone to get alongside you, just see uh, Stephen. Where's Stephen Jones? Can you just stand? Stephen is our pastoral deacon. And it's wonderful to be able to stand here and give all the work to him. Marvelous. So please, see Stephen. He has a good team around him. Because we don't want people simply to be uh, stirred in something but have no resolution. We need to pray that through so that you too are enjoying the freedom that Rosemary has come into. And one of the things we want to do in this coming year is to give opportunity for people to share their story. And of course in church we call it a testimony. Other people call them stories. But we're going to hear a testimony about the goodness of God in bringing in health and wholeness into one person's life. So will you just give a very warm welcome to our own... Our very own, Ian. <laughs> Good morning. Over. To, you see, the, the, re, the reason this has come about is after Rosemary shared, Ian came up and he said, oh, you know, this is what God has done. I thought this is a story we need to hear. So if you come up to me with any good stories, you've got a good opportunity you get the job, don't you? Well, it looks that way, doesn't it? Yeah. And how long have you got? I've got ten minutes. Oh, that's right. I've forgotten that bit. And, and when, when, um, when Alan said, okay, you've got ten minutes, I said, oh, I won't need that long. And he goes, they all say that. <laughs> so I'm going to stand up here because it's a new thing and I've got a script. Just because ten minutes is hard for me to stick to. And I, um, I used to be an assistant head teacher and by the time I'd done the fifth run through, so Friday's assemblies were always good. <laughs> Monday's assemblies... We're a little bit shambolic. Is it not loud enough? Should I be eating it? Rockstar style. Okay. So here we go. Tea. (laughs) I mean, I'm just going to echo something. I mean, Chris last week was saying about the the fact that 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning is scary. It's even scarier when the paramedics have got you wired to an ECG in your own bed. And that's something that's part of what I've experienced over the last few years. I'm going to start off by saying, though, that this is not a normal testimony. It's not going to be a, an end that has already been achieved. This could perhaps be called view from the middle. But, um, you know, the middle's a weird place to be. Let's keep going anyway. Let's stick to the script, otherwise I'll get that card flashed at me. Yes. Has it got the, uh, the Ray Low exemption on the back of it? Okay. Right. <laughs> I know. I know I'm using this one all all, all the time. Right, here we go. Let's just start off with an admission. I'm not very good at praying. This is about prayer. This testimony is about prayer. I'm not very good at praying myself. Those of people who are in my uh, MCOM will will sit there and say, yeah, he never says a thing. You know, I'm always the person who's thinking, someone else say, someone else pray, someone else do it. And I'm like that. I've got to admit that. But um, when I try and put things into words out loud, I often find that I I get caught in that... um, 
I don't know what you call it, preacher speak trademark, where you try and give it all the flowery language and make it sound right, like the person you heard who's authorised to do all this sort of stuff on a regular basis. Um, or possibly, um, I don't know, I've got down here a liturgical language lexicon. Ooh. Anyway, so it's something like that. Um, but, you know, in my mind, though, your prayers are racing around. I'm pretty sure there's people like that all the way around this church. There's people who pray all the time. Prayers are a different thing for different people. Sometimes at different times, you, you get them described as things like, I don't know, the prayer rocket, where the cry for help goes straight up. You get the corporate prayer, where people pray as a body for you. You get people of friends, family, whatever, praying into a certain circumstance. Things like that. Um, you know, so what that might may, may mean... You think my mind is a bit like uh, Bruce Almighty. Yeah, when he's got all those people's prayers kicking around in his head. The thing is, though, whenever I try and verbalize those, it never, it never quite comes out right. Um, and one thing's for sure, the answer is never Morgan Freeman. It's, it's not in his voice anyway, and it's, all, it's quite chaotic sometimes, as I'm there desperately trying to make myself sound like Richard Burton or... Anthony Hopkins, or Martin Sheen even, there's your link. Okay, any other great Welsh orators? Um, these people have got a great way of saying things, but of course they're well-versed and practiced, and I don't, I don't get that much. The problem about this, this testimony is being in the middle of things is often a bit of a weird place. Where do you look? Forward, backwards, whatever. Being in the middle of things is often not a very stable place to be either. Um, and I'm in the middle of things, and I don't know whether it's uh, a roller coaster ride, whether I'm at the top of a dip or at the bottom, whether it's going, whether I'm standing in the ride, which is never very well advised. I used to work on roller coasters, and uh, we used to have to do silly things like that to try and get the thing warmed up in the morning. Um, but that was never very stable either, standing up in a roller coaster. But try standing up backwards, not knowing the ride 150 times over, so you don't know what's coming behind you, you know, this kind of thing, which way are you heading? The, the testimony I'm going to give, though, is the one about prayer answered, because I've been going through quite a lot of medical stuff, and I've, I've already said to Alan that one version of this testimony sounded like, I don't know, a hypochondriac's handbook, <laughs> lists of long names and various things that have been kicking off in my body. I mean, over the last four years, it's been longer than that. It's been of a heck of a ride. So this, this scary stuff has been a constant thing there. In fact, it's led to me even giving up my job, which I did last August. And so I'm no longer an assistant head teacher, but I'm feeling a lot happier for it and a lot better in myself, as it were. So this, um, this answered prayer comes from various different sources. The one I'm going to tell you about is the one which has just recently just popped up. You know how sometimes on a, on a, a, a tumultuous sort of ride, things appear in front of you, you have to deal with them there and then. Things happen that were not part of your normal plan. Okay, this was one of those things. Okay, internal bleeding. Okay, things that suddenly, shockingly happen. And I suffered from something of, of that nature. Um, I went to the GPs. They took test samples, whatever, do what they do. They, um, they said there's something there. There's something that needs to be discovered. Okay, we've got evidence of, of, a, of uh, something. And on the list, the GP includes cancer and things like this. So you think, okay, there's a scary word. The tests were arranged. Only about four weeks later, I was in, in there. You know, that's pretty rapid for the, uh, for the NHS, presumably. But the, um, the tests were arranged, and then when, when it came to it, absolutely nothing was found. The doctors and the specialists were all expecting to see something. 
we're all expecting to see even scarring or tearing or whatever, some sign of where the bleeding happened and nothing was there. Now I know in the background of all this, people were praying. People were praying for me that let's please not have one more thing on the list of things. Please let's have this fully cleared, fully healed and that looks like what happened. All right, praise God. It was, it was a, a complete, there was nothing there, no evidence, no signs, healed as if anything, as if nothing had happened, all gone. So whatever they were looking for wasn't there. Some people might say, well, it was never there. But when you get a specialist saying there's a 90% chance that something's there, to find nothing is a great result. So this is, this is the middle. It's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a rock and roll ride, isn't it? So you look back on uh, things like that and you think, okay, great, medical experts know what they're talking about, don't you? On Christmas Eve, I was in the ophthalmology department again and found out from one, another specialist that I was in, in front of that the previous specialist's advice nearly made me blind, but this time in both eyes. So it was 100% improvement, if you like, on the last time. Um, but that isn't the end of that story because... Their, uh, their story, uh, their, their, their kind of instructions to my GP has still got to be followed. So I'm still waiting for my medicine from Christmas Eve. But, there, you know, we, we keep praying and we keep hoping that we don't go 100% blind in both eyes. Um, this, is, um, this is part of this, this being in the middle of things. Testimonies are often given at the end. And you can just go, okay, that was a whole series of events. Here I am now fully healed and so on. I'm not there yet. I'm somewhere back here. So this, this idea of what do we do? Well, when you think about it, this whole this testimony is about prayer. No matter whether you speak it out or whether it's in your head or whatever, how you, however, however you do it, you pray. Okay? Because there's the, there's the bit in, in uh, Matthew's Gospel, 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Yeah? Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. Uh, the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Right, I've got quite a few examples of that. I've not got the time. Have I? No. To go through all the different times when asking, seeking, getting the answers, being given good news, being directed in a certain way, and so on, works. All I know is it works. So this is the power of prayer. The actual testimony in this bit, you could say, was the bit about the... Uh, absence of the thing that was expected to be found. Okay? The bit of healing. The one bit of healing amongst a lot of healing. It could be other things as well, like for example being given the opportunity to give up work and being given the chance to get level again and be, then, then to, be, to be setting out this year on a new journey looking for more work, which by the way if anyone has a job <laughs> I'm not that bad. Um, the, the whole thing, though, has to be rooted in prayer. Because if it was down to me, I would worry. People who know me would know that I would probably kill myself with worry. And that's possibly part of what was happening with the heart and everything else and the stress and stuff involved in the job. I just didn't want more of it. So you give it up to God. You give it back to the person who can carry it. And I can't quite remember it, but Rachel this morning posted something on um, Facebook. And it was said, said that worries are just you having a conversation with yourself about things you can do nothing about. Yeah, did anyone else see that one? Yeah, good one. And prayers are conversations with God about things that he can do lots about, everything about. Okay, so we stick with that. We hold on to that one. I've, I've got several points at which this could end, so I'm waiting for the card. 
So how do you, how do you ask? You pray. When you ask for things to be given, how do you do it? You pray. How do you get answers? Well, it's not Morgan Freeman. You receive. You get them from different places. People come to you with, with things that they have been praying about at the same time. Stuff that happens coincidentally. There's that crash word, God incidents, isn't there? But I mean, God incidentally then. We'll stick with that one. But you get people who say, oh, by the way, this was brought to my mind. I was praying and I got this for you. And it fits. It just fits. So you know that there's action in the background. Things are happening to help you. Okay? The, the way ahead is opened through prayer. It might be answered through the skills of a surgeon. It might be answered through the words of a friend. It might be answered through text, through the Bible, through a message, through a Facebook post, through things like that one. You might find the answer unexpectedly. But what you do is you've always got to ask. And so what I'll do is I'll keep on asking. This year, 2019, what's it going to hold? Well, after the the ride, 2015, when I went blind in my right eye, the prayers were answered through the skills of a surgeon. That was not a nice time, though. 2016, when the heart situation became serious, was a bit grim. 2017, going back to work after a significant time off as assistant head teacher, was tough. At best, keeping it level, but actually, more than likely, looking at it in the long term, a steady decline, needing to get out, being given that time, the blessing of 2018, being given the space to just get level, and like I said before, just have time to, to heal and, and, and fix. All of that is a, is a journey, and I'm still in the middle of it. So what will 2019 hold? Well, hopefully a new job, but who knows what else? God knows. So what you do is you pray. You look at it, whatever it is in store, you pray about it. And all I've got to say about that one is bring it up. About 11 o'clock last night, God said, can we just do away with that echo? Oh, I'll sing to you. Yeah. Well, um, God said, I want you to scrap what you've got planned and do something else. And I believe what God has done is given me something that we need to take note of for this middle that Ian has mentioned. Every one of us here is in the middle of something. Every one of us. And so, Ian, I want to thank you for that story and the honesty to admit we're in the middle. Please, never accuse us of professionalism. It's seamless from start to finish. Do you want, do you want this one back as well? But we are in, in, in the middle. You might have dire circumstances. Some of you have gone through some terrible circumstances over the last year. Ian was in that middle situation, but it's that holding on to God... And even when you find it difficult to pray, to have those around you who will stand with you in prayer. Why do we give so much time to praying for people at the end of a gathering? Because as a community, we want to gather around people and we want to pray so that we are going into these situations together. And at the end of the gathering, we will be praying with Ian and others to push through to see what God wants to do with us as we work our way through the middle. And the middle, if you like, is from birth to death. Now, every one of us fits into that category somewhere. 
Now, looking around, there are those who have obviously passed over. <clears throat> but for the majority of us, we have an awareness that we are in the middle of this journey. We are thankful for what God has shown us His faithfulness, as Ian was. And we launch into this new year, looking to God, the faithful Father, to carry us through. So how do we use this middle time? Keith is going to come and share, but have we got a microphone that works down here? Does it, does it all red one? Do you want that one? Bring it down, Lucy. Dear, you just can't get, you can't get the staff. Was it a, a cinema showing of Andrew Rio, is it you call him? Or Ro, the Dutch fellow who has this incredible orchestra. And I was looking there and he's got all these... Uh, dozens of people, all with their individual microphones. How does that work then? <laughs> Nothing personal, Joe. <laughs> but Keith has just wanted to share something. And let's take it in terms of how we use this middle that God has given us. We have no other time to use but the middle that God has given us. And then I'm going to ask Sally, who is closely related to Keith, to come and to share a testimony, and then I want to read a testimony on the back of what Sally shares, because I believe God is making us some promises, and we need to respond to those promises in this middle time. Keith, you're welcome. So during this morning's time of worship, and uh, yesterday in the prayer meeting, we were down here for the prayer breakfast, uh, just this sense of God wanting to shake the world. God wants to bring something about. I'm going to use the term revival because that's the language that I use. But basically what we're talking about here is we're talking about a shaking. We're talking about God coming and doing something mighty amongst us, both as a church, but also out into the community and the nation and the world beyond. Now, the last revival, that, as far as I'm aware, that hit the UK was the Hebrides. It was about 50 years ago, 50, 60 years ago. And then you had Wales before that. We've had outpourings since then. We've had times of great blessing since then. But I believe that God wants to do something new. I believe that God wants to do something mighty amongst his church that then impacts the world. And it, for me, it's revival. And it always has been. For years, I've had this burden that there will be a revival in my lifetime. But as we move into 2019, and I realize I'm making myself a little bit vulnerable here, but I believe we are going to see the sparks of that revival this year. Now, what does that mean for us as a church? Well, as I look back at revivals in the past, we've seen, you know, the Hebrides. It was a couple of uh, elderly ladies that got together to pray, and they prayed with intensity for years, and revival broke out. Wales, it was students. What, what, we've had a lot of words over the past few weeks and months, we've had it again today, about knowing our identity in Christ, about knowing who we are, about knowing the Father's heart for us. Suppose the next revival is triggered by a church that fully knows who they are in Christ.
Suppose the next revival starts because we as a people rise up and we say, I know who I am in God. I know that I am loved by God. I know that there is no mountain, there is no challenge that can face me, excuse me, that can face me that with God I cannot overcome. I know that my God is with me. And as we do that, and as we cry out to God, I believe, I believe that we are going to see such an outpouring, such a move of his spirit. And I want to see that, the sparks of that, this year. I believe that the sparks of that can be this year. And the challenge on me is to pray that, and to seek God for that, and to plead with God, and to pray, and to fast that we will see God do something new and something mighty in our land and in our church and in the world over the course of this year. There are many, many things that I can be certain of in God. I know with 100% certainty that he wants to do an outpouring. He wants to do something mighty in this world and he wants his name to be lifted on high. Let's get on board with that. And I think one of the key things for us as a church is to know who we are. And then once we know who we are in God, to really pray into that. And I believe that we're going to see that happen. Amen. So this is a challenge to what we do in this middle time that God has given us. And there is that worldwide aspect to it. And I'm going to ask if Sally will come down now and that she will just share a word that she brought in the prayer meeting before this gathering this morning, which I found so encouraging. And then I'm going to read another prophecy we got a few weeks ago, and you'll see how the two tie up. Because God is wanting to do something with us. You know, we can't do much but pray about the entire world. But for us, we can pray and then respond personally in the challenging way that God has for us. Okay, the picture that um, God gave me as we were praying this morning in the prayer meeting, it was of, of this building, but all the front of it became a door, and this, this door just flung open, and this really dazzling light just shone out from it. And I really felt like God was saying that, that as, his, as we dwell in his presence, as his presence rests on us, he's going to make us more visible. And we can often think, we're, we're, we're gathered here in a um, a little industrial park, kind of well away from anything. But I just had this real sense that God was saying he is going to increase that visibility. And as that light shines out through us, not through the building, it's through us, that people are going to be drawn to that. And just as those doors are wide open, that means that we're going to be able to receive more and more people as they are going to be drawn to that light that, that he is shining through us. Amen. Amen. These are promises God is making for us to enter into in this middle time. And as we pray, we bring those promises to be fulfilled among us. But let me read a prophecy that we got during the Rising Tide conference. This was given by Nathan Davis, and uh, you know his parents very well. It was a three-part prophecy, but I simply want to read the one that is relevant to us in this place and connected to what Sally said this morning. Because there's a wonderful promise and a wonderful challenge for all of us. And he's he's sitting here in this building, and he refers to this building. He says, for Emmanuel, I got a specific word. 
As I was worshipping, I thought, this is a funny place for a church building. God answered, why is it? In the next five years, this church will see great footfall. Now, you're not in a place for footfall, but it will be so great, it will be bizarre. And that word bizarre really stuck with me. Because God is promising us something that is just so way out there that we can't quite comprehend it. It is bizarre. The amount of footfall, and you've got to practice saying footfall. The, the amount of footfall past your front door will be bizarre. This will be a hallmark of this new adventure. There will be many people walking past your front door. So many, it will be... Oh dear, oh dear. Pantomime season has come to an end then. So many, it will be bizarre. As they come past, they will encounter the living God. They will be set free. They will be transformed. There will, over the next five years, be bizarre footfall past your front door. God is drawing people to your community as they see your love for Him and one another, and they will realize His love for them. And that was given a few weeks ago, and then we had Sally. They are, they are the same prophecy, but expressed in slightly different words. And we want to lay hold of those. But what do we do? What do we do in order to bring that about? Well, I want to challenge one thing that we don't spend a lot of time on, really. Now, prayer is certainly the, the thing there. But in a sense, what I want to mention here is a type of prayer. When we look at the first chapter of Joshua, if you want a passage of Scripture in order to encourage someone, to give someone uh, that sense of, I can do something uh, special here, we go to that first passage, uh, the first chapter of Joshua, and it mentions several times, be strong and courageous. Right? We're familiar with that passage. So if I want to give someone courage, let me go to the first chapter of uh, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. And of course, God is saying that to Joshua because he knows that Joshua is going to be, feel weak and cowardly. You don't need that encouragement to be strong and courageous if you are feeling strong and courageous. So I believe God understands us. It's a bit like when Ian is coming and says, you know, the story hasn't ended. He doesn't know what is ahead. But what he does know is God is with him. God is faithful. God will see him through. And as we come together this morning, we can say, we, we know what's past, but we want to press into all that is to come. And there will be those times when we need to be strong and courageous. But hidden in that chapter, there's this instruction from God about a type of prayer where he says in verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. And then we've got to do something. And this is the challenge, I believe, for each one of us as we press into God in this coming year to see the fulfillment of his promises. And that is, we are called to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Now, I want us to concentrate and take this within the context of God calling us to fill our minds, not with the rubbish of the world, but with the good, solid food of God's Word. Now, in this sort of church, we're not big on meditation, are we? We are not big on meditation. And that is possibly why the Freedom in Christ days that we've had here uh, are so good, because they give you time just to spend time with God on your own. 
But it may be within our lifestyle we find it difficult to find some time. But when we, the sort of meditating I'm talking about, it's great if we can find time apart from everything that's going on. But it's basically filling our mind with the word of God rather than everything else that would seek to push us down. Because the word of God lifts us up. The things of the world pushes us down. Now, yes, we've got jobs. Or you may want a job. You may be in the middle of a job that you don't want and you want a job that you do want. And we are going to pray for those people at the end of this gathering. But whatever situation we are in, no matter whether we've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, every one of us here can meditate on the Word of God. It does not rely upon how long we've been a Christian or how much the Word, the Word we understand. Because it's filling our mind with the things of God. And I'm going to bring one particular scripture. And I believe that as we as a community give ourselves to meditating upon this, we will see not only ourselves transformed, I believe we as a community will enter into a whole new realm of spiritual dynamic because we are filling our minds with the Word of God. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. His delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates all day. I've no doubt there are those here who know how many words are in the scripture, who know how many hundreds and hundreds of promises have been made, and you think, how can I possibly begin to meditate on all of that? Well, how about we start in Matthew chapter 22? Oh, it's, it's amazing. Because here, we, there is a challenge for each and every one of us, because Jesus is answering, what is the greatest commandment? Wouldn't it be great if we as a people consciously meditate upon the greatest commandment? And allow that greatest commandment to come and change us in our thinking, to change us in our hearts. Because what we'll see is, that releases us in passion and worship. It releases us in every area of life. Because our focus is not on our need, but our focus is on the goodness of God, the one who meets our need. The Pharisees, the Pharisees, the Sadducees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, I would like us to read this together. Again, not something we do. We're going to start from verse 37. Right? Are we ready? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Good. If we, as a people are meditating upon loving the Lord our God with all our hearts, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, I believe we will hasten the day when we see the fulfillment of God's promises to us. 
Because this is absolutely God-centered. So he's saying this, you know, he goes on to say these two, along with love your neighbor as yourself, sums up all the law of the prophets. You want to sum up everything. It's loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul. We can do that. We can meditate upon that and allow that word of God to dwell in our hearts and affect the way we think and affect the way we live and affect the way we respond to one another. That's why Jesus goes on and says, love your neighbor. You can't do it unless you're doing this. It is not difficult. We can do it. So meditating, for me, is simply mulling over this phrase. Love the Lord your God. Repeat it to yourself. Allow it to dwell in your mind. Allow that to dwell within your mind. And you roll it over. So whether you're traveling in the car, you're sitting on a bus. I don't sit on buses. But when you're traveling in the car, whatever you're doing, those few words, I believe, can be transformative for each and every one of us as we head into this new year. Because we're called to dwell and love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Do you know, when one of the great encouragements as being part of the, the, the leadership of this community, is that we are not starting from scratch. We're not seeking here to encourage people who have no love for God to have a little bit. I don't believe that's where we are. I believe there is an incredible heart within this community to press in, to see Jesus glorified. But what we need to do is just to press in that more and more and more to see those things that God has promised released to us. So we are not starting from point zero. I believe we are a long way. But God has got more. And the challenge is that as we dwell on this, God will open up new opportunities to us for us to step into so that those promises He has given us will be realized among us increasingly in these coming days. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And you know, as we dwell on that, what we will find is God releases all sorts of things to us, individually and corporately. So Jesus doesn't say to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, right, I want you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind after you've had a good whinging session. He doesn't say, I, I, I want you to put that at the bottom of your need list. You know, folks, we need to be those who start with this, not end with this. So this is our first port of call. So when life throws things at us in this coming year, and I can guarantee that there will be things happen to some of us in this coming year that we would prefer had not happened. That's, that's life. There are many here this morning, I know your stories, and things happened unexpectedly, sometimes tragically. But it doesn't negate who God is. God is with us. And He needs to be at the top of our prayer agenda 
not a tag on at the bottom. Or if it's anything like the shopping list Sandra gives me. They're awful. Because they're written just as she thinks of them. And so there's stuff all over the place. And I just can't cope with that. So I'll get to the end of my annual shop. <coughs> and you go home. And you say, right, I've got everything on the list. And you say, well, what about that? I, say, I haven't got that on the list. Because it was written just tucked away somewhere. <laughs> Sometimes we took God on to the end of our shopping list. I believe that as we meditate upon the Word of God, as we love the Lord our God, if we allow that to roll over and over within our minds, I honestly believe we will see transformation take place. And it's easy. John, you're the mathematician. You can count how many words in that phrase. He's slow, isn't he? Nineteen. Now you have that from a professor of mathematics from Durham University. There are nineteen. If you count them and you get more or less, say John afterwards, don't bother me. But nineteen words. And this is the power of the Word of God. Nineteen words put together in a particular order can be transformative for each and every one of us. Because it doesn't rely on the Word, it relies on the God behind the words. And God wants us to walk in ever closer relationship with Him. So we can, we can meditate upon those 19 words. And what we will find, there will be release in passion and worship. There will be release in spiritual gifts. There will be release in finance. There will be release in every way possible. Because God will be truly at the center of our thinking, individually and corporately, as we dwell on that, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, and with all of our soul. Every person here is capable of doing that. Every person here. This is the incredible, all-inclusive nature of, of God and His love. There's nothing there that's difficult. We can do it. And I believe that in these coming weeks, we'll see testimonies coming out of people as they have dwelt, mulled over this word and allow their mind to be filled with it. I'm going to ask the musicians if they will come back now. But just as we come to a close... The challenge is, how are we going to use this middle time? Loving the Lord our God or dwelling in our own pit of need, if you like. And, and you know, Jesus doesn't ignore that. We're not going to ignore that either. Because what we want to do is to spend some time just looking at, when I say time, I mean prayer, I like that one. Um, <laughs> we're going to spend some time getting alongside people who need prayer. 
Because Jesus goes on to say, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as we pray with one another, we are fulfilling that scriptural commandment that we stand with one another to see what God will do. That middle time. God bringing freedom. Let's stand together. Just close your eyes because I believe each one of us can make a response in our own hearts here this morning as to whether we will take up this challenge of dwelling on that word of Scripture to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Memorize it. Dwell in it. And allow it to transform you from the inside out. Thank you, Lord. And you know, great release will come. And I just want to throw in some, some figures here because I didn't do it earlier, so I've got to think of a link now. But, you know, we are an incredibly generous people. And I believe that's because there is an understanding of the work that Jesus has done in our lives. So when I said we're not starting from zero, we're not... We're well down the road, but there is more for us to experience. In our gift day, we raised £18,000 in order to bless the nations and to see the fulfilment of God's promises being worked out among us. On the night of our brass band concert, how many, how many were here for the brass band evening? We pray for everyone else. But we took up an offering for Gita, this girl who had suffered the most horrendous burns. And that offering on our brass band night was the biggest offering we've ever had at any of our uh, carol services. £1,600 for the treatment to see that little girl's life restored. This is what happens as a community concentrate on Jesus to love Him with all the heart, soul and might, rather than to be need-focused. Let's sing.